Welcome everybody. My name is David Irvin and I'm here with my colleague and good friend, Dr. Sarah Cloutier. And we are hosting another episode of the physiology of leadership. And this is a fascinating topic for me, Sarah. And we, we've been talking about stress. We've been talking about the impact of stress and how unacknowledged stress uh, unacknowledged trauma, unacknowledged anxiety impacts the way that we live, impacts our health, which obviously you're interested in from a physician's perspective, but I'm interested in it from a leadership perspective. What happens when people don't acknowledge the stress in their life or bring anxiety to work or bring old trauma to work? Not only does it impact their health, it impacts the way that they interact with people and it in impacts their leadership. So we're going to, we've been talking the last couple of uh, weeks about the physiology of stress, the impact of stress on, on one's body, how, what is, you know, what is the stress response? How does the brain operate under stress? Uh, how, how our body naturally survives stress and is, is built and hardwired to deal with stress. But if it goes unacknowledged, it can have an un unintended consequence. So today, what we're going to be talking about is the, the impact of unacknowledged stress on us. And so let's talk, first of all, I think about the health, about our health. And that might be the most obvious place to start. And maybe just give us a very quick uh, overview, Sarah, about stress and how stress serves us in, how, what's, what is the stress response in one's body? And then what happens if we don't acknowledge stress? Yeah, absolutely. So, I'm excited to be talking about this. I love talking about this subject for a couple of reasons. First of all, I am somebody who suffered from the physical manifestations of unacknowledged, misunderstood stress for years. And it basically controlled my life for a long time until I figured out what was going on and what I could do to take control of it um, and turn my life around. So for me, this stuff has been absolutely life-changing. and. The second reason is because every day I see patients that have symptoms, physical symptoms that they've been suffering with that sometimes they've seen, you know, 10 doctors for and can't find causes for, for these symptoms that they're suffering from. And they're absolutely real. These are real symptoms. And nobody's ever sat down to talk to them about, hey, you know, this could be a physical manifestation of stress or of what's going on with your emotional self or psychological self. Um, and the other piece is there's so many diseases that we treat in medicine that can either be triggered by stress, so either an acutely stressful event or this sort of long-term chronic cumulative stress. And there's also so many conditions that can be worsened by it. So the fact that we don't spend that much time talking about it is a great disservice, I think, to patients and just our population in general. So super happy to be here chatting about this today. Well, so, I sorry. Impact, I see the impact in, in the leadership field. When mm -hmm. people aren't acknowledging the stress in their life, we're all consumed with stress right now. How is it impacting us in terms of the, the uh, pandemic that we're in the middle of? Uh, how is that, you know, it's certainly come to a head during this time. Absolutely. And what are you hearing from leaders that you're working with? Well, what I hear is what I've heard for, well, it's acute right now, 
Um, but what I've heard is just people are under a lot of anxiety, a lot of, a lot of fear, um, and it's coming out in impatience. It's coming out in um, irritability. People are edgy today. And, and people are less tolerant of each other, less respectful of each other. I'm seeing a lot of disrespect in our workplace. Even remotely, people feel as though they're not under, under, understood. And I think people are with, when you put those combinations in a remote environment, what you see is people withdrawing and increasing in depression and increasing in what I would call silent, um, what, what, what's the best word to say? Uh, s s silent despair, where they keep it inside of themselves and feel very isolated through it. Absolutely, and that's the same, same sort of thing that I've been seeing in my practice is people will say, I'm just a little bit more edgy or, you know, I think I'm okay, but talk to my wife because she says differently, you know, or talk to my team. They, they, they might give you a different answer. Or I just feel like irritated or edgy or the exact same things that you've been saying. So. so let's get into this in detail. What's, you know, give us a quick review. What's going on inside uh, when people say they're stressed? What's actually happening? Yeah, so we talked a lot about this last episode. So if people want the full sort of breakdown, then, then tune into episode two. But just really quickly, when your brain detects a danger, and whether that's an actual danger like a grizzly bear on the trail if you're hiking or um, emotional danger because you're afraid of a relationship loss or you know, losing your job, it, doesn't, it can't differentiate between those two things. And it sets off alarm bells in your head. And that releases a cascade of hormones and neurochemicals throughout the body that prepare your body to either fight or freeze. And if it can't do either of those things, or sorry, fight or flee. And if it can't do either of those things, then you ultimately freeze as a last resort. And in the process of this, it does all sorts of crazy things. Like it shunts brain from the front of your brain, shunts blood, I can't talk today, from the front of your brain to the back of your brain. It increases your blood sugar, mobilizes stored blood sugar, pumps blood back to your heart so that you can run, um, increases your blood pressure, heart rate, lots of things to get you ready, your body physically prepared to overcome whatever stress you're facing. So we probably need several sessions to go through this, but let's start with when all of that is happening and we don't come back to our default state of calmness and, and relaxation, which is where we're meant to live, if we yeah. stay at that high level of what I would call unacknowledged stress. So we have all of these phys physiological stress responses that's going on in the body and the body isn't recovering. It's just continually getting more mountain lions that it's facing. Um, is there a short answer to what happens health-wise? I mean, it can impact, I'm assuming, the body on many fronts, and it could impact it in many ways depending on so many variables. But is there a common theme that happens in the body if we don't come back to, to relaxation? Well, the common theme is that your body starts breaking down over time. And it's, it's actually remarkable how long we can live in that state and still feel okay and still function and you know, not feel the effects of illness. Um, although we might not be feeling as well as we could, 
if we weren't in that state. But people can stay there for a long time because the body is really, really good at adapting. But eventually you run out of reserves and, and things start to break down. And all sorts of things can happen. So, um, you know, something that I didn't mention earlier is that when you're in a stress response, resources get taken away from your immune system. And we need our immune system because we're being bombarded with external you know, viruses and bacteria and fungus and all sorts of things every day. And we don't even know about it. You know, our immune system's just working in the background, taking care of us. Our cells are breaking down every day. You know, we're growing cancer cells every day and our immune system's just doing its job in the background and we don't even know. But after a while, when we don't have the resources that our immune system needs because we're spending all our energetic resources on getting ready to, you know, fight that bear, the immune system can't operate at that level and things start to go, go wrong. So, you know, premature aging because our broken down cells aren't being repaired or replaced. Cancer can start growing. Or, you know, one thing that I suffered with as a physician in my early career when I had tons of stress and didn't know what was going on is I was sick all of the time. I caught everything. And uh, knock on wood, since I've sort of gotten control over this and you know, have a much better handle on how to manage stress. I don't, I mean, I went through all last year without getting sick and I saw lots of sick patients. So it can make a real difference. Um, the other really common one is, is gastrointestinal symptoms. And I don't know if you know anyone who, you know, has a very responsive GI system or a gut, but this is really common. And so Stress can do all sorts of crazy things to our gut. It can change the microbiota, microbiota in our gut. So it can actually change the bacterial composition of our gut. And we need bacteria to digest food and to do all of the sort of maintenance stuff in the gut. I mean, it, it um, communicates with our brain. And we're just on you know, the, very, the very early stages of learning, out, learning what, what these bacteria do. But we know that stress can definitely influence that um, it can also do a strange thing where it slows down the top of our gut and speeds feeds down the bottom so people will start getting indigestion and reflux and diarrhea um, so definitely lots of gastrointestinal complaints are common and another really common example is you know we talked about your blood pressure being up and your blood pressure is supposed to go up you know we need it to go up appropriately but and our, our blood vessels are designed for it to go up, but not to handle high blood pressures for long periods of time. And what can happen is you can start getting these tiny little microvascular tears in the vessel walls. And that is essentially how heart disease starts. So those little tears are entryways for inflammation in the vessel walls. And that's really the beginning stages of cardiovascular disease. So all sorts of nasty things can happen. Can I just return to the intestinal, intestinal perspective? I understand that a lot of people are on uh, prescribed and over-the-counter anti-acid um, uh, in terms of acid in your stomach. Yeah. And that, these, are, these are symptoms potentially of stress that's not looked at. Can we, can we say that they're always stress-related? Uh, probably not, but how, how do you assess that as a physician? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I don't think we can ever say that there's any one cause to people's symptoms. We're really complicated. Um, and there's all sorts of other things that can contribute to 
heartburn and acid reflux. Um, so like anti-inflammatory medications, spicy diet, alcohol, caffeine, things like that. So I think anytime we're looking at a symptom, we have to look at the whole picture. You know, what's, what's a person's whole life and what's the context of their life? But it's definitely something that can exacerbate that situation. But I mean, this is what one of the reasons why you and I are working together. I love your perspective of an integrated approach to medicine. Uh, because if you, for example, if you're under stress at night or during the day when you're at work and then you come home, oftentimes we don't eat healthy food when we're coping with stress. Maybe we're drinking too much. Maybe we're eating too much. I just read an article the other day that uh, the average person in North America has gained 15 pounds in the pandemic. Yeah. So this <laughs> probably does not come from eating salads when we're, when we're home at night. No. So those unhealthy foods can also contribute to, to ill health with the body. And so it, it becomes uh, quite cyclical in terms of what's going on in the pattern in our life. And I think what, what we're suggesting is to really slow down and really pay attention to what stressors we are experiencing right now. Absolutely. Um, and, and you're right, it's completely cyclical because you know, our stress is out of control and we, we eat poorly and then we have a few nightcaps you know, to calm ourselves down and feel better. And then that disrupts our sleep. And then we feel worse the next day. And then our ability to tolerate stress just goes down and down. And, it, and things can definitely spiral like this. So anytime we start looking at any lifestyle interventions or lifestyle plans, whether it be from you know, a leadership perspective or a health perspective, we really have to look at the whole situation because no one part is in isolation. Everything, everything affects everything else. Well, and then we have this notion of going to work, being impatient, um, micromanaging, going to work in anxiety. And that's probably, I'm going to suggest, Sarah, that we leave that till next time because the I think that's a whole episode on its own to really look at what is the behavior impact of stress on our life and unresolved stress. But I can, But we're also saying here that it isn't just immediate stress. This can be stress from trauma. Mm -hmm. uh, from anxiety that was triggered years ago and that we're still staying in that in that state. So I think what we're saying to our listeners at this point is it, it, we have to bring compassion for ourselves into this and that we're not, you know, we don't want people to get stressed about being stressed, right? right. We don't add another level of stress on here, but just to start to notice and pay attention to the stress indicators within their own body. And wow. maybe we could review again some of those indicators that, that our listeners might pay attention to to say, hmm, this could be a cause for concern. I need to, I really need to look at it. Yeah, I, you know, I think all of the things that people say, you know, all the sayings that we have, like, oh, you know, I almost blew my lid off, or um, my heart sank, or I felt sick to my stomach when I heard the news, or my heart was beating out of my chest. These are all things that, you know, everybody says, and we don't really think about where they come from. And these are, you know, really, that's what people are feeling when they're under the stress response. I think the difficulty lies in so many of us live like that all of the time, that it becomes our new baseline. And we stop noticing that that's how we're feeling. 
And, you know, a lot of people will say that's just the way I am. Or, you know, if they're impatient, they'll say that's just my personality. And very rarely is that somebody's personality. You know, you have to recognize that you're probably acting that way because of past situations or traumas or programming and your current situation, you know, and noticing that. And if you get that feedback is something to pay attention to because, you know, not only does it affect how you lead and how you live and your relationships, but it will affect your health eventually. And I absolutely don't want people to have one more thing to stress about, but there's real consequences of not paying attention to the signals that your body's giving you. Your body really is your interface between the external world, your internal emotions, and you know, your, your presence or your, um, your knowing. And if we stop paying attention for long enough and we ignore and you know, push the issues aside and say, well, I don't have time to deal with them now. You know? um, I'll deal with them next year. Or I just have to get through this quarter and then I'll deal with them. Things can get worse quickly. And so I think, I think it really does matter in adopting small practices or small changes now will not only improve your performance from a leadership or productivity standpoint, but it will change your health outcomes for sure. I always say that paying attention to our health is one of those things that's important, but it's not urgent. And the urgent things press on us and the important things press on. But if we don't take care of the important things in our life, now we will eventually have to take care. They'll eventually become urgent. And Absolutely. we'll have to take care of them at some point. So I think we all are need to stop and just really pay attention to this. I, I always, when I was caring for my brother while he was dying, one of the things that I learned is when you have your health, you have a thousand wishes. And when you don't, you have one. Right. And our health is so precious to us. It's like, a, it's like a really good relationship when we're healthy. And, and if we don't take care of it, if we neglect it, if we take it for granted, one day it's not going to be there. And um, so let's pay, let's pay attention. So can we leave the listeners on a, on a hopeful note? When they, if we stop and we begin to feel, look, at, I've had some stress in my life and I, I'm feeling some stress. I've got that increased heart rate. Um, I've got some acid reflex that feels like I've got a lot of demands right now. Where's one place that people could start to respond to that? Yeah, and the first thing I wanna say just, you know, to end on a hopeful note is it's never too late. You know, and it doesn't matter. You could have a catastrophic diagnosis and people can recover. You know, there's miraculous recoveries that happen all of the time. So it is never too late to start. Um, but the easiest place is to breathe. And I, we hear this all of the time, but there's real scientific evidence backing the power of deep breathing. And I think traditional societies have known this forever. You know, they didn't have the science to back it probably, but they knew. And if you're able to do a really deep inhalation, like a big belly breath where your chest is rising, your abdomen's rising, everything's expanding and hold it and then exhale for even longer than you inhaled that'll actually activate your vagus nerve and your vagus nerve stimulates the parasympathetic response and that's that rest and relaxation um, place that we want to live in like that's our home so if we're able to do this a couple of times a day as a practice 
we can set ourselves up to be in that parasympathetic state. And when we've really been able to adopt this as a practice, we can start employing that throughout the day. So, you know, I get a little nervous speaking before this podcast. So I just sat and breathed for a couple of minutes. I just took five big breaths before we started. And I do that all the time. If I feel like I'm running late or anxious, you know, I'm a bit anxious because I'm running late through the day, I'll take that extra few minutes to breathe and I can really feel myself calming down. Well, thank you very much. You know, I look forward to further sessions because we're going to get into strategies much more as we go on in these series. But I have to tell you, one of the strategies that I use is being around calm people yes. and, uh, and being able to get support and being real and being honest and just hanging out with you for this last half an hour has been calming. I feel more calm than I did a half an hour ago when we started. So I, I'll remember next time to breathe. And <laughs> I, I can tell you that just uh, hanging out with you for a while has been uh, very relaxing for me. Oh, thank you. I feel the same. And you, you explain things so simply, um, and it's, it's, just very, it's just very helpful. So I just look, look forward to further uh, episodes with you and uh, to have our listeners tune in. Thanks, Sarah. All right. Thanks, Dave. We'll see you next week. You bet.